All right, just before we get to Dan Rosen, NHL.com, and our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day, I had a text come in a little while ago from B. Um, KK, I haven't heard anybody talk about this in quite a long time, but when Daryl Cates was preparing to buy the Oilers, he mentioned something about building a high-performance hockey academy and a new arena at the U of A. Have you heard anything about this lately? Well, I can tell you this, that they were several million dollars away a few years back uh, between athletics and the university, and they didn't... uh, come to fruition. The city had committed well over $20 million, I think. Uh, There was a need for rinks. There were individual donors. You know, you see, you know, Eldon Foote donated for Foot Field. They had individual donors, but I think that the university did not uh, take the right steps and move forward in this in a timely fashion. Um, There's nothing going on right now, B., so if you think about it, if they're trying to build something and I mean, as nice as Claire Drake Arena is and it's intimate and it's fun to watch hockey in there, they probably need a new facility on campus. Uh, but no plans really right now. And when you think about construction costs in the last, I don't know, um, several years, they've gone through the roof. So this is going to be an interesting scenario between several uh, entities, including the university, but they got to figure out what they want to do here. Uh, Time now for the game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. Also 0% available on Ram 1500s only at St. Albert Dodge. Check them out. StAlbertDodge.com as we welcome in Dan Rosen from NHL.com back to sports 1440. Good morning, Uh, Dan. What did you make first of all of the, uh, the stadium series? the two games uh, over the weekend at MetLife? Well, I thought it was great, and thanks for having me. Um, Listen, I mean, this one was extra special for me because I literally live about 15, 20 minutes away from MetLife Stadium. So I grew up there. I grew up going to – well, not – I didn't grow up going to Giants games there because it wasn't there when I was growing up. It was Giants Stadium. Uh, But the Meadowlands was my area, you know. I mean, I grew up going to games at Giants Stadium. I grew up going to Devils games at Brendan Byrne Arena and then Continental Arena. Hmm. To see 150,000-plus pack the stadium for two hockey games uh, in less than 24 hours was actually remarkable. Uh, expected, but remarkable, and, to be, and and special for a guy like me who's, you know, a hockey guy from Jersey. <laughs> was there, would you say, a much different vibe between the two games, or were they similar? Um, so there's two, just, so you, in the press box, it's enclosed, right? So you can't really get the stadium vibe, but... I, I did get it. I walked outside. I spent a lot of time outside for both games. And I think there was a different vibe. There really was. It was, uh, it, it both were special and unique, but the, 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 you know, the end of the game and the game itself on Sunday, the way it went with the Rangers and coming back and, and, you know, the Islanders fans definitely were there, but it was definitely pro Rangers fan base there. Uh, it was as loud as I've ever heard a place, to be honest with you. And I was in the press box when it happened that they came back, and you could still, the building was shaking. It really was. Um, outside, the tailgate was spectacular for the Devils-Flyers game because the fans were in the parking lot super early. Like, it was a, it was a 
classic NFL-style tailgate that was going on. And MetLife, there's a huge, vast parking lot, so a lot was going on there. It was a great environment um, Saturday night at MetLife. It was special. They had the concert going on, too. And then Sunday was just raucous, just completely raucous. Uh, so they were a little bit different, uh, I, I do think, but but both just, you know, amazing. And what about the scores? I mean, we're talking uh, 20 goals, I guess, between the two goals. games. That's, yeah. you know, normally these outdoor games, it's tough. But, man, offensive plenty. I, yeah, and that's the beauty. That was also that added to it. You know, both games, you have goals scored in the first two minutes, 32 seconds into the game, uh, you know, for Nico Heeshear and what was it, a minute and a half for the Rangers to score. Um, You know, I mean, like, that was, that added to it, right? I mean, you got the fans, you had the hoopla, you have the hype, the pomp and circumstance, the flyover, you know, the anthem, the big flag, and the intros are incredible. And then, bang, the hockey game begins, and people are kind of settling in, and then you you got a goal right away. And I think that really helped the whole event was bang you had offense right away and then you and it was continuous offense um and it's you know the especially 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 the uh the sunday game where the rangers in the power play coming back pulling the goalie um scoring two six on four goals six on four power play goals um yeah the offense really added to it i think it did and getting the goals early made a big difference i think mm, good points uh, dan rosen nhl.com our guest on the kevin carey show on sports 1440 uh, in that ranger game uh, dan we were keeping an eye on uh, matt rempe uh, who got in a scrap with matt martin off the hop rempe played his junior uh tier two here uh, for spruce grove saints years ago but this guy's an absolute monster yep. what was the when, when, when he dropped the gloves right off the hop there what was that like Old school. Yeah. It was old school, but old school in a good way. You know, like not old school like you take a two-handed whack at a guy and then a brawl breaks out, right? I mean, it was old school in a good way. It was This kid's getting his first shift in the NHL. He's a big, towering presence. Um, he's got, he's got you know, he drops the gloves. He likes to do it. He goes out there with Matt Martin, who's obviously one of the last of his kind remaining in the NHL. And Matt Martin asked him, do you want to go? And the kid said, yeah. And they did, and it was a good one. I'm not a huge fighting guy. I'm not, but that was a good one. And they go, and then after the game, Rempe said that he wanted to thank Matt Martin for giving him his first one and for letting him. And after the fight, he said, Martin said to him in the penalty box, like, way to go, Remps, welcome to the league, or something like that. You know? Like, that's old school. That's old school, and I thought it was great that that had happened. It got the kid right into it. You saw him pumping up the crowd. You saw him taking out. He had his jersey off in the in the penalty box. Um, you know. What a day. What yeah. a day for Matt Rempe. It really was. A great moment. And, of course, yeah, as, as I said, he played uh, for Spruce Grove here in the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, a handful of years ago. So, uh, Dan Rosen with us, uh, NHL.com on the Sports 1440 here. Um, our St. Albert Dodge game of the day, or one of them, tonight, Vancouver in Colorado. What do you make of this one, Dan? Two of the top teams in the league going head-to-head in Denver. Easily could be a Western Conference final preview. Uh, it's Titans going at it. Um, the thing about it is I think the Canucks are a more complete team right now than the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche are, 
Uh, a little bit top-heavy in the sense, I mean, I think, you know, the world of McKinnon and McCarr and Rantanen, but so much is on their shoulders where it doesn't feel that way in Vancouver. It's a little bit more spread out, and adding Lindholm, obviously, makes it even more spread out for the Canucks. Um, the, the Avalanche are a team that may need to act a little bit at the deadline, certainly for a backup goalie. They can't keep running out uh, Alexander Georgiev and expect them to be fresh for the playoffs, too. But overall, it's the battle of the Titans in the Western Conference, two of the best teams. And it, it easily could be a Western Conference final preview type game. I would expect a good one there. And it's just it's – a, I think it's a great story what the Canucks have done. You know, it really traces back to when Rick Tockett took over last year. Uh, they started to take off. Their game got a lot better. Um, they they bought in right away, and you could start to see it. Then when Thatcher Demko came back at the end of last season, you saw a team really start to play better. But there was no pressure on the Canucks at the time. It was They were out of it, right? The games didn't – they mattered, but they didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. They come into this year when it matters, and they've been – the best team in the NHL from the start of the season to right now. You can't argue it. And I, it starts, it goes back to, you know, over a year ago when Tocca took over and, and things just started to change for them. And then they got their number one goalie back too. Uh, what did you make of last night? So Vancouver goes into Minnesota 10-7. Uh, I would think things yeah. tighten up a bit more tonight. I would think they'll tighten up more. Yeah, that one is, we talk about 20 goals over two games at MetLife for the stadium series. Like, that's insane. That's something you'll never you, – we won't see that again for a long time. Things will tighten up, no question about it. Get that one out of your system and go back to playing a strong defensive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Rosen with us on Sports 1440. Uh, back uh, to Colorado right now. Your vote for Hart Trophy, would it go to Nathan McKinnon right now? Um, I'll tell you what. Probably, mm-hmm. probably, because I, I just think – he impacts a game in so many ways, just so many different ways, because there's there's nobody else in the league that I, I can think of that can combine the skill, speed, and power that Nathan McKinnon has, and he impacts the game in all three ways. He plays fast, so you got to keep up with him. He plays powerful, so you got to watch out for him. And he is so skillful that he'll beat you that way any day of the week, right? So probably... But I will say Nikita Kucherov is having this season that we've seen Kucherov have before, but we've seen him have it before when Braden Point was on top of his game and Stamkos was piling up points and all that, right? Yeah. He is doing this. He's got, I don't know the number now, but you know, as of a few days ago, it was like 30-some-odd more points than anybody else on his team. And they're right in the thick of the playoff race. They need help. The injury to Sergachev is a killer. But they're right in there. And they're struggling a little bit because they need help now. But Kucherov has done it all season, and he's been not a one-man band, but, you know, this is Taylor Hall-esque for when he did it with the Devils and he won the, the Hart Trophy. So if it continues and the Lightning get in the playoffs and Kucherov outscores his his teammates by 30 or 40 points, I find it hard not to give it to him. Hmm. But right now, I would say, in my mind, McKinnon is the favorite with Kucherov right there and honestly, McDavid, <laughs> you know, coming up close. 
he'll have something to say about it here in the final 30 games. There's no question yeah. about that. Uh, also tonight uh, with uh, Colorado and Vancouver, uh, how excited would you say you'd be to see what quite likely would be the top two defensemen in the league on the ice sheet tonight? Yeah, that's the best thing. I, I, I think it's Quinn Hughes is out. He's been. At, we know how good Kale McCarr has been, right? Quinn Hughes, for some reason, I don't get it. But I guess I can understand it because he's so shifty and so offensive and so good with the puck and one of the best passers in the league, one of the best playmakers that people forget about his defensive play. But you don't. I don't put so much stock into plus minus. But this guy on a team that was a minus last year was like a plus 20 or whatever he was, a plus 15. And that tells you something about how he plays. It's not always just how you defend. Defending is a lot of the time getting the puck back and going and keeping the puck. That's good defense, having offense, right? And Quinn Hughes is among the best in the world at it. McCarr, too. They're totally different players, but they're both electrifying defenseman who can take over a game at moment's notice. And I think that's a great thing. Another great thing about this matchup is you do have McCarr and Hughes in it. Listen, I mean, it's a terrific matchup all around. Mm -hmm. And that's why if it ends up being a Western Conference final preview, we are going to get our money's worth on that one. Uh, Two good teams tonight going head-to-head for sure. Uh, Trade deadline coming up here in, uh, well, about 19 days or so, Dan. Are you keeping an eye on anyone in particular that you think is going to be moving? And where do you think, uh, uh, do you think a team in particular makes a certain splash more than others? Well, yeah, I mean, look, the Calgary Flames are the team to keep an eye on. I think they kind of control this deadline right now. It's a defense-heavy deadline, and they've got two guys in Hannafin and Tanev who are wanted. And it's just, I, you know, the, the fact is we know there are reports out there that Noah Hannafin has had an eight-year contract on the table from the Flames. It's not signed yet, uh, unless something has happened in the last, whatever, 12 minutes I've been on the phone with you guys. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's not signed yet, and if it's not signed by now, to me, it's a sign that he doesn't want to be there, right? He, he doesn't want to invest the next eight years of his career, the big years of his career there. So uh, my guess is he gets traded. Uh, uh, it's a, I think that's a fair, safe assumption. And Tanev, too, is another one. Big, snarly, physical defenseman, size on him, uh, also a pending UFA like Hannafin. What a terrific rental he would be for any team. He could slide him in right away and you know, it'd be a seamless transition. And, you know, obviously a team like the Maple Leafs or a team like the Oilers really could, yeah. you know, could use that. Um, so I think the Flames are the team that control a lot of this right now. They're very interesting. And, the, and I just talked about the Lightning. And Noah Hannafin would be a perfect fit for them right now with the loss of Sergeyev. The question is for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we know always try to finagle and make a, mo- a big move around the deadline. They don't have their first round or their second round pick this year, and they don't have their first round pick next year. So I don't know how they do it, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And they don't, their prospect pool isn't exactly filled to the brim either because they've depleted their draft capital and their prospect pool in trades to stay contender to add at the deadline of previous years. I, I don't know how they do it. If the Flames are going to trade Hannafin, they're probably going to want a first round pick back in return at least, and a lot more beyond that. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are a perfect fit, don't have that to offer right now. Yeah, they just have no assets uh, in Tampa Bay. Yeah. One last one for you, Dan. Just uh, your thoughts on Yarmer Yager's uh, weekend in Pittsburgh with the, the Jersey retirement and, and everything that happened in Pitt. Who's better than Yager? He's <laughs> the best. You know, like, yeah, he's one of my favorites of all time. 
to cover, to write about, to be around. Uh, to, it was like it was just an absolute pleasure and an honor to to be able to cover him. His time in New York with the Devils a little bit, the Flyers. I wasn't around when he did it, you know, when he played for Pittsburgh. But obviously, it was a great welcome back. He goes on the ice. He, he didn't just go on the ice and skate around with them and practice. He practiced with them. He had a full practice with them. He skates with them in warm-ups. He sat with the media in the press conference that time. Like he was, Yager's the best. And I thought it was everything that came out of that weekend at Pittsburgh. The only thing that that was missing, I like to say, was me. Like I would have loved to have been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you can't be <laughs> in two places there, at once, though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's personal. That's just very selfish of me. But you know, I would have loved to have been in two places at once this weekend. Hey, Dan. Really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the uh, busy uh, few days coming up to trade deadline here. And uh, thanks for hopping on. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. That's Dan Rosen, NHL.com, and our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with all the great people up there. Check out stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, we're going to switch gears, talk a little baseball. Pitchers and catchers reported last week. Now the rest of the players are reporting this week. We'll talk a little Blue Jays. We'll, uh, I've got actually an interesting article, Duke, to talk with uh, Jensen Lewis about, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, inflatable? Not an inflatable, but sort of a, like what do you, a big stuffed hippopotamus that the Cincinnati Reds are using for spring training purposes. How's that sound? As what, like target practice out in deep center field or what? No, it's like uh, uh, Like when the Marlins used to have the fish statue? <laughs> what is that one? I don't. You don't know, fish like, statue. The Marlins had this giant statue of a fish, like um, of a marlin. Okay, and it was like out there, just in the middle, like out in the deep. So uh, it was there just to what? It's a. It was a. It was a decoration. Okay, no, this hippopotamus in Cincinnati they're using for training purposes. It's not a real hippopotamus, though. Dude. <laughs> well, okay. I assume that much. That's coming up. Uh, Jensen Lewis uh, from Loud Outs on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Radio will be our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome back Jensen Lewis uh, from Loud Outs on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Radio. Back to Sports 1440. Morning, Jensen. Hey, good morning. Always great to be with you, Kev. How you doing? Oh, doing great up here. We're just so I'm just so excited uh, for baseball to be back with spring training. I'm sure you echo those sentiments. Uh, what's your kind of schedule? Where how do you cover spring training uh, with all the teams that you got to kind of look after and and so forth? Yeah, it's the uh, the old uh, summer reading back to school regiment, right? <laughs> uh, got to be ready with, for a test on day one. So uh, excited to to kind of see where this this story unfolds in the 2024 version. And you know, honestly, Kevin, still with a lot of big time free agents that are still left and available, I think that's probably one of the big storylines heading into games getting underway here on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> you still have Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, obviously on the position player side, but then. Wondering where uh, Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery uh, are going to land. So some marquee names that are still out there. Hopefully they have destinations coming up here in the next week or so. But by and large, of course, I know we've talked about it before uh, with Shoei Otani and and Yoshi Yamamoto going to the Dodgers, the two big free agents, um, at least uh, from an overall league perspective, both ending up uh, in Southern California. Anxious to see 
how it plays out with Shohei not pitching this year and Yamamoto getting his first taste of what it's really like to go up against big leaguers every day. So a lot of big storylines. Uh, excited to see also what does Texas do for an encore. Arizona's offseason has been phenomenal uh, as a runner-up in the World Series. So, as you said, echoing your sentiments, too. Very excited yeah. to see where all this gets to start playing out. It's such an exciting time of the season. Uh, uh, Jensen Lewis with us on Sports 1440. You did mention a couple of guys that Blue Jay fans are very interested in, in uh, as far as um, potential free agents in Chapman and Bellinger. Any chance that you could see that maybe one of those two surfaces in Toronto? Yeah, I, Kevin, honestly, every day that kind of goes by, your your chances definitely increase because the old adage of the price perhaps starts to come down even more and, and levels in a spot where uh, a team like Toronto could be in on one, if not at both of them, to see where they've gone uh, for their offseason thus far. It kind of lends you uh, to two thoughts. First and foremost, um, are, are they kind of seeing where the market plays out and perhaps can can pounce if the situation and the right situation presents itself but then also with the long game, understanding you're probably having those internal discussions uh, as we speak. What's it going to take to lock in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for an extension? Uh, is it possible to do the same thing with Bo Bichette and, and really have an idea of not only what your payroll is going to look like this year, uh, but also moving forward? And then from looking at the division, right, uh, a huge blow uh, to the Baltimore Orioles with Kyle Bradish and the injury there and, and depleting their rotation of a, a guy who was so critical for their success last year. Uh, one year of Corbin Burns with the trade coming over, and as we know, that really solid young position player core that all gets another year under their belt. I, I think if we look at it right now, Kev, that, that American League East has to be um, the most competitive division. That's even with Boston, uh, who right now, it's crazy to say, you can predict them to be last in the division, but I think they did improve themselves a bit, albeit Red Sox fans probably probably don't agree <laughs> with that whatsoever. But, yeah, I think overall, you look at where, where the Blue Jays stand, every day that kind of goes by – uh, those those percentage points creep up a bit, particularly for, for Chapman and Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore took such a big step, uh, Jensen, in the sense from last year to – or two years ago to last year. Can they continue that trend? Yeah, I think that's always the, the great thing about looking at a team that, you know, really uh, achieves such a great collective season like they did last year. And what do you do for an encore because – not that, not that Baltimore was going to sneak up on anyone last year, but uh, the secret is out. Everyone knows that uh, with Gunnar Henderson winning Rookie of the Year, Adley Rutschman you know, potentially an MVP candidate headed into this season, uh, and what their, their pitching staff was able to accomplish, uh, I, I think that is, is always hard to duplicate year in and year out. But if there's a team that has an ability to do that, I think it's Baltimore. I think right now you see what their biggest challenge is, and it's already dealing with – uh, an injury to their ace and, and Kyle Bradish. How do you how do you react from that? And and is it from uh, an area within? Uh, you know, you look at the depth of what they've been able to to use as far as rotation assets are, and we know Grayson Rodriguez will be a big part of that top duo with Corbin Burns. What do you get from John Means this year? And then the rest of the depth options that they'll sort out here to fill Bradish's spot. That's always the thing I look at is. For a team that has really achieved, uh, maybe perhaps beyond even their expectations, how do you come back the next year? How do you have the same fire? And then those other teams knowing a bit more now about, okay, well, we can't go attack them this way. We've got to make an adjustment. And then the chess piece is playing out over a six-month season. Jensen, can Jackson Holiday make the team coming in the street, out of spring training for Baltimore? 
you know, everybody we talk to, at least initially, feels that it's a very, very good chance. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, really barring something unforeseen, I think that probably was the mentality for them this offseason. Again, knowing, you know, where they were last year uh, with the exit and the playoffs, but also the development of that core and with what he did over in the fall league. And then uh, the early reports uh, from what he's looked like through the off season and into the first week or so of camp, it, you know, all that you, we can connect the dots. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. I think they wanted him to be from day one, a big part of what they do day in and day out. And it's hard to get past, you know, <laughs> what talent and impact he can bring. So yeah, good problem to have right there. Even if for maybe that small part where they, we're not going to have him on the big league roster right away. You would have to believe it's not long for him to be in AAA Norfolk before he's at Canada Yards. And then would like uh, Jorge Mateo be the insurance policy, I guess, at short? Or how, how, what do you see there? Not a bad insurance policy, yeah. right, Kevin? Yeah. I mean, from what he was able to do, not only defensively, but on the base paths as well. Um, a guy that you can plug and play. And, and I think that's where Brandon Hyde has the embarrassment of riches is you already know you have a guy who can handle the day-to-day duties. Uh, from a Mateo perspective, but yeah, you, you dream a bit more knowing you got Jackson Holiday waiting right there, possibly for day one. Jensen Lewis, loud outs on Sirius XM, Major League Baseball Radio, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, you did touch on uh, Shohei Otani and the uh, LA Dodgers moving forward, uh, Jensen. If you were to put a number on, I guess, a, a win total uh, for the Dodgers, is it like 110? Where is it at? Yeah, it's it's definitely in the hundreds, and I, I want to say most of uh, the sports books have them around 103, 104, oh. somewhere in that range. And I, I mean, even for that, it, it it doesn't get you know much better than knowing that you're projected already to be in triple digits. I think the two things I look at immediately are the again we talk about health of rotations. You know, what will the Dodgers have here moving forward? Uh, even with Clayton Kershaw coming back later in the year, we know no Otani in the rotation and expecting, you know, great things from Yamamoto right out of the gate. I know that's the prevailing sentiment in the industry, uh, but I think you and I have watched enough baseball to know uh, you got to see it to believe it. And uh, the couple of live BPs already, I know Freddie Freeman was on record saying like, I'm glad he's on my team. That's always great to hear, but man, you get into competition. Let's kind of see where, where the dominoes fall there. It's Tyler glass. Now the health for him has been an issue the last couple of seasons, obviously a big acquisition for them as well. And really what do we get, you know, from a Walker Bueller yeah. uh, in a walk year for him too. So Questions abounding, you know, for the Dodger rotation. But honestly, Kevin, when you think about what their potential is, yeah, you understand with that offense and and knowing that you're going to get Betts, Freeman, and Otani in, in some order that way. That's that's really tough to navigate three four times a night. Yeah, and you get Gavin Lux back as well. You know, yeah. missed the whole season. Um, when you mentioned Walker Bueller, is he going to be ready to roll? And I mean, when you watch him throw, Jensen, I mean, he puts so much torque on his arm. Um, is he going to be okay? You think? I think they probably take it uh, very gingerly, the old baby steps, and uh, you know, clear the checkpoints. I, I don't know how many cliches we could fit in, Kev, but I think that's where Dave Roberts. And that group, they know they're playing the long game. They realize that if they're going to get to the fall classic, they've got to have him not only healthy for uh, whatever duration of the regular season he's going to contribute, but those meaningful innings, uh, as you talked about, leverage innings big time uh, in October playoff baseball. So I would say for me, uh, they'll take it kind of outing by outing, pen by pen. We'll see where he's at from there. But what a boost it would be for him, even if, again, it's, it's not right away, 
uh, from the opening day rotation. I can't envision it would be too far after that that he's in there. Mm-hmm. Jensen Lewis, uh, our guest on Sports 1440. If you said Baltimore was a team that maybe um, snuck up on some teams last year, are there some teams this year, Jensen, who you think might do the same in each division? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, let's see. I, I would say probably in the National League, I know the Cincinnati Reds are probably going to be a team you look at in the Central that are are really kind of poised for, for a breakout campaign. And I know last year you sort of saw – you sort of saw that the idea of, of what their youth movement could be similar to that of Baltimore. You know, they've got a nice young core there with Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan India, the holdover there, kind of the elder statesman of the group, if you will, uh, who's been through the wars there in the lean years for the Reds and then getting Jamer Candelario uh, to be in the middle of that lineup. Huge boost for them. They're extremely athletic. They're exciting to watch. And again, their their rotation has all the makings of being extremely dominant and there for many years to come. So I'd say the Reds are probably one of those teams uh, in the National League, in the American League. And it may not be sneaking up on anyone, but man, you feel like Seattle has got to find a way this year. Last year was sort of historic to see how many strikeouts that they averaged in April and May from the position player side. I think that lightning bolt doesn't hit again uh, this season. I, I just it feels like they've got to be uh, better than where they were last year. It was, it was really tough to watch night in and night out, but such a deep rotation, maybe one of the best starting fives yeah. in all of baseball. Back into the bullpen with so much swing and miss ability. I think Seattle is one of those teams. That, I know a lot of people liked them last year. They just kind of got out of the gate a little slow, but man, if there's a team that could get going quick this year, I think Seattle's a good team. I love George Kirby too. He could be poised for a big season uh, yep. with the Mariners. Uh, where do you sit on the Cleveland Indians, uh, Jensen? They've got, you know, of course the Naylor boys from Canada, uh, Bo and, and Josh playing for the Indians, but um, Tristan McKenzie was injured, came back, probably, uh, you know, uh, he's your number two starter behind Bieber. Where, where, where do you sit on the Indians moving forward this year? Yeah, you know, Ken, when you think about Cleveland, just overall the roster makeup within that AL Central, uh, the, the rotation injuries definitely derailed a lot of their hopes last year. And uh, both Bieber and McKenzie dealing with uh, their own individual stints on the IL. It seems as though both of them are back healthy. Uh, all the reports and indicators are that they'll take Tristan uh, a bit slower in his progression to make sure he's built up and, and in a good spot. Uh, no indication that he's going to miss any time or anything. I think they're just going to be very diligent about his workload and making sure he's ready for that opening day rotation. Uh, Beaver put on a, a few miles an hour this offseason. We'll see how that translates uh, once he gets into the live competition and, and into those spring training starts. And then, honestly, you know, the workload of the big three rookies last year and Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, uh, all three of them projected to be in that opening day rotation. What their workload looks like, I think, uh, will really be a tightrope for, for first-year manager Stephen Vogt and, and Carl Willis, the pitching coach. But they have been so good as an organization, uh, having great rotation depth and being able to, to really go down the last couple of years if they've needed to get a young arm They've been able to come up and be ready to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Offense has been the big issue. What will they get from their outfield? Uh, I think that's probably question number one. Um, you know, you have Ramon Laureano in there, which means you got to find a, a place possibly for Miles Straw, or he's got to be on the bench. 
Uh, what do you do in right field? Uh, is, does it end up being uh, Davis, uh, Davis and De Los Santos, who they picked up in the Rule 5 draft from Arizona? Uh, Kyle Manzardo is a big name to watch for them. Mm-hmm. He had a great Arizona Fall League and a guy that could be instant impact offense for them from day one. So um, I, I think Bo, I think Bo Naylor has a, a breakout year for him. He's, he's one of my top ten catchers. Uh, for LMB Network Radio's top 10 list. I think he really takes a big step forward this year hmm. and a great mentor to have in Austin Hedges, who they brought back in free agency. So uh, as basically we know, the, the Guardians go as, as Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor go. So if Josh can stay healthy for a whole year, man alive, uh, what a great dynamic duo for Cleveland. How's Bo as a catcher, I guess, in the sense of handling a staff? I think he made some great strides last year. And, uh, you know, even Hedgie sort of talked about it, that you're not going to know everything coming up right away and be expected to to do it day in and day out. But I I believe that watching him, seeing his progressions and his his game calling, of course, we know uh, the great defense and the big arm behind the plate to shut down the running game. But I think another year under his belt. And I also, he knows he's going to be the starter. And, And that's a whole different mindset for a young player being able to come in, don't have to look over your shoulder if you get off to a slow start offensively. I think that's a, a nice way to have him calm from a mental standpoint and, and earn the trust even more so of the guys already on the staff. Uh, one last one for you, Jensen. I don't know if you saw this little drill at the Cincinnati Reds camp that they were using. <laughs> Did you see that with the uh, kind oh of the uh, uh, little toy hippo, uh, inflatable yeah. kind of poolside hippo? <laughs> yeah, no, no stuffed animals were harmed in, in any of those drills. But what a, what a great creative idea to, to not only you know in, impact uh, the the idea of, of what you're trying to accomplish there, but uh, stuffed animal sales uh, on a good year. They got to be going up after that. <laughs> did you ever, when you were kind of when you were playing, did you ever have drills like that? With I guess this is a little unique, a little far out, a little different. Yeah, the only the only one I can remember is uh, we we would get out to college football uh, from time to time to try and help with with our breaking ball guys that that sort of struggled uh, with that that release point and that shaping of the breaking ball. We try and throw some spirals and then uh, be able to get up on the bump and and be able to throw it. But that's a new one for me <laughs> to see some stuffed animals deployed in spring training for sure. Was that for your rotation on on a breaking ball? Yeah, just more so when you're out front and not trying to, to create that, that spin and that shape behind you, um, as, as most players and most pitchers will, will kind of tell you, like mm-hmm. you want to release the ball from that same release point and that same arm slot. Sometimes when guys try and shape it, they'll, they'll release it a bit farther back instead of out front. Uh, and with that, that football drill, it allows you to have that feel of the ball coming out of your hand and then be able to shape it with that grip with the baseball. So just a different sort of release point because it's a bigger bigger ball in your hand, I guess? Yeah, and just how you, you have to, to be able to throw the spiral, you've got to have sort of that same kind of breaking ball release, if you will. And, and just for that idea, just trying to get your mind off if you're in a little bit of a rut, uh, sometimes that drill can kind of get you back to even and, and be able to get that muscle memory that you need. Mm, cool stuff. Hey, Jensen, can't thank you enough. I know you're so busy with spring training coming up, and we're looking forward to the next uh, you know couple of weeks. And game's getting going, so uh, it's going to be a fun time. Thanks for uh, hopping on today, and uh, we'll chat. To, as, a, as the regular season gets going, we'll chat soon. Anytime, Kev. Appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to next time. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, that's uh, Jensen Lewis, loud outs on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Radio. Give him a listen. I mean, the guy, you can just you hear the, how knowledgeable the guy is on about pretty well every you know just, just even the football story. Like that's that's an interesting scenario when he was uh, pitching back in the day and in the major leagues and being able to kind of 
have that um, different kind of training. And this was the what was about what was going on at Cincinnati camp. So a hippo at a hippo has been spotted at Reds camp. And the drill is basically catchers can practice receiving throws and applying tags for plays at the plate. They, so they got this hippo on a string kind of thing. And as soon as the ball's getting thrown into the catcher, basically he's sweeping across the plate because of the different rules that have been implemented uh, with the catching position where you can tag guys and you can only have you got the inside half, the, the runner's got the outside half. Anyway, it was uh, third base coach J.R. House. Uh, he basically got this hippo on a string and they <laughs> they started using this and everyone loves it. It's a great training tool and you heard what uh, Jensen had to say about it. Check it out. It's on the old interweb. You can see the video if you want to, Duke. So uh, when we come back, we've got some open text time. We've got, uh, we'll figure out what where we're, where we're going tomorrow. Tomorrow is Wednesday. It feels like a Monday, doesn't it, Duke? Just the way it is. I've had to catch myself several times. I'm like going into the regular uh, Monday vault for some songs yeah. to play. Of course, uh, the Bangles. Yeah. Some Mark Chestnut. And Bob was here. You know, our friend Bob. Shout out Bob. Bob brought in some cookies from Bonton Bakery. Stopped Need a little there. sugar rush here He for the stopped morning. at Bonton on the way and Bob picked up a couple of cookies for the fellas. And it was funny because I was going to say, Bob, well, how did you get to Bonton? Because they're not open on Mondays. <laughs> But, Wait a minute. Yeah, that's today's Tuesday. That's why. Uh, so thanks to Bob for that. And Bob wants to get rolling on some trivia. We'll <laughs> see what we can do with that. Uh, shut us, uh, give us, uh, shoot us off a text, one 401 Oilers, get ready for Boston tomorrow. We've got uh, tons of other things going on for sure coming up this week. And, of course, Jensen Lewis, uh, Elevate Your Game, brought to you by... Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. Trust Ram.com. We're back to wrap the show up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Thanks to all the 10 texters that sent in. You know, it's the Guardians now. I guess I would have said the other word for the Cleveland baseball team. I'll give you a little bit more leeway on this one because that's only your old tool. Well, here's the thing. I don't think out of the teams that have changed the name, I guess, okay, what's the the other major one is the Commanders, right? Uh, yes, formerly the Washington football team. Yeah. But I don't recall I don't recall watching any movies that are top-notch baseball or football movies on the Including Washington. Including the uh, Washington in, in, R-Words. R-Words, yeah. <laughs> but we've you've watched Major League many yeah, times. man. And it's always on, and it's on every day, it seems. I, I wish. Yeah. I wish it was actually on every day because I would watch it every day. Yeah. Too high. Too high. <laughs> what do you mean it's too high? It's not too high. It's too high. It's too hard. Yeah. Who cares? It's gone. So thanks for all the uh, texters that said uh, you realize that the Cleveland baseball team is now the Guardians. Correct. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Not the Spiders. I think that would have been a better name. Spiders, eh? That Why? Was, well, I think that has some historical ties to baseball in the city, I think. Hmm. The Guardians, of course, because like the big bridge, they've got the big stone guys there, I guess. I don't really know. I don't know either. Whatever. It it is what it is. Um, Washington might, like the football team might change their name again. Really? Yeah, because like Josh Harris, this the, the new owner. To what? Maybe back to the football team. Generals. Washington Gen- Generals. Gen- well, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that, the, is, that da- the, no? is that a downgrade from a commander? Well, Gen- Washington Generals, I think that's the team, the name of the, the team. Back, the team that plays the... In the replacements. Oh, is it? I think it oh. is, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that... A, but who plays the Harlem Globetrotters? The, those guys too, yeah. Oh, same name. <laughs> no, I think like um, like one of the other names that was a possibility last time, like Red Wolves, 
Red Hogs. I think they want to keep the na- the word red. It's like Red mm. Hogs, I think, would be a good one. Because their mascot is a pig. Major yeah. Tutty. Oh, boy. Uh, the NHL, coming down with a statement a few minutes ago about Morgan Riley's suspension appeal. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman is saying that the league is up holding the five-game suspension on Morgan Riley. Now, this was the the statement from the NHL is pretty it's pretty good. Reads like so from the commish. The cross-check was delivered in retribution for an unnecessary and seldom seen play that Mr. Riley believed may have been intended to embarrass Toronto. Although much of the testimony offered by Messrs. Riley, Treliving, and Shanahan at the hearing concerned whether Mr. Griggs' slap shot was provocative. That discussion is utterly irrelevant. Utterly irrelevant. Mr. Riley's actions were not undertaken in self-defense. They were not accidental, and they were not reflexive. They were not simply careless or merely reckless. They ain't really giving it to old, old Riley here. So five-game suspension upheld. I think, well, he's, has he sat out? How many has he sat out already? Four? I believe four, yeah. And, and I they think won every game. I think they're 4-0. Oh. Now, I have to give Call you props, Duke. Nostradamus here. I have to I... give you props because you had that as an in or out. Will the Leafs go 5-0 and oh in Morgan Riley's absence? Suspensions, yeah. Yeah, and you said, yeah, they would. I, I look at the schedule. I was like, makes sense. They, How about that uh, absolute train wreck they ran over my ducks with? Oh, uh, boy. Nine So 49 on. big ones for Austin Matthews. Leafs' next action is not tonight. It's tomorrow, I believe. Uh, they are in Arizona tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be right, Duke. Five in a row. I can't see Arizona ever winning again. Well, what, what is it? The ten in a row now after ten the loss of the oil yesterday? Man. They stink. It, I said it. I said it when we were talking about this earlier. I really expected them to be a much more competitive team this year. Hey, Batman, this comes from Playbook Vic. Now explain the Petrangelo tomahawk chop, you bum. HVAC Nick. Also, the Leafs should ask for his suspension to be longer. Have you seen the Leafs' overall record without him in the lineup? I think they're 18 and 2, or is it 19 and 2 now? Something, Something like yeah, I think it might be 19 after this. I, I missed it. I saw that same number, though, on Twitter over the weekend. It That makes so little sense yeah, to me it because that defense core terrible. is not good. And Morgan Riley is a legitimate number one defenseman for <laughs> almost any team in the NHL. Yeah. He's. Number one on probably 70%. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's teams out there with, you yeah. know, your Headmans, your Macars, your Hughes. Mm-hmm. Like, would he be the number one defenseman on the Oilers? No. You don't think so? No. Like, do you, do you're, I, you're, you're still, content with yeah, Donald Nurse as this team's number one D-man? It, uh, yes, and take the contract out of it. I get all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh no, yeah. Darnell Nurse plays in so many key situations and has had a really good year. He's had a really good year. So I'm I, I'm if I'm building a team, I'm taking Darnell Nurse. Over I, I, but anybody that wants to text an indif- and I'm perfectly okay with yeah. Darnell Nurse uh, you choosing him over Morgan Riley. But don't say uh, Darnell Nurse is uh, more of a mean streak in him. Morgan Riley just got suspended five games <laughs> for cross checking a guy in the jaw. That, that wording on that statement from the NHL mm-hmm. you just read, Kevin. That's that, damning. That's it's like he was, they went all over. That's him. borderline comedic. Yeah, like that's that's utterly, funny. utterly. <laughs> When you bring the word utterly it into... It was not in self-defense. Yeah. 
utterly, uh, where is it again here? <laughs> um, da, 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 the exact word is, yeah, utterly, I can't find it. Uh, utterly irrelevant. Utterly Sorry. Irre- utterly irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. How about oh. that? Oh, boy. Uh <laughs> It says, finally, I commend Mr. Riley for forthrightly disavowing suggestions. Like, what is this? Uh, Mission Impossible? I was going to say, who wrote this? <laughs> disavowing suggestions that have been made publicly by others that his actions were somehow appropriate. Certainly, the conduct leading to this suspension is out of character with his long record of clean play in the NHL. So true. It is my hope and expectation <laughs> that the events leading to this suspension were an aberration that will not be repeated. Forthrightingly disavowing. We can hope. Let us hope <laughs> and let us pray. I would like to know who did write that, you know. Somebody with a, th- with a thesaurus, Holy that's cow. for sure. Utterly irrelevant. <laughs> that's comical. Uh, Oilers with an off day today. They'll be back at the uh, practice. Uh, well, it's the morning skate. Again, I'm thinking it's Monday, Duke. <laughs> the morning skate, turned morning skate tomorrow against Boston. And keep in mind, that's an 8 o'clock. Think again. So now you've got Connor McDavid. you got the Boston Bruins. And the people out east are going to watch it at 10.15. Unbelievable. Time, by the time they drop the puck, it'll be 10.10 or whatever. I wonder uh, how a noted Oilers fan uh, Ryan Whitney feels mm-hmm. about that one. Brad says Riley is not a number one D-man. As a great, as a great Bob McKenzie would say, there are only maybe 10 to 12 number one defensemen. He's a number two and a defensive liability. Well, I disagree. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Adam goes. The only better dig would have been if they threw in his actions were without virtue. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, that's funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Utterly, utterly irrelevant. BB says number three on a championship team. Disagree. Hmm. Suspension was a joke. NHL is a joke. Um, Yake buds. Chimed in. He's been radio silent for a while, hasn't he? Uh, well, he's usually only has um, negativity yes. to add to the conversation. But he's back, baby, <laughs> <laughs> with a vengeance. The NHL's a joke. Justin says, "Boys, the eight fifteen starts are tough for my kids. They're tough on everybody. You know, I understand the Saturday night ones. I get those. Yeah." Because you, you have to wait. It's a triple header on Hockey Night in Canada. You got to wait for. I understand that too, yeah. but it's just only because it's Saturday night. I can. I, I'll let oh, you no, get away I, with I it. I totally allow it. But how to, these okay weekday games start these at seven. You'll get more viewers. You'll get way more viewers on a whole across the country starting this game at seven o'clock local time. Nine o'clock. So at least you'll get some people out east going. You know what? I'm going to watch it. I'll start at 9. I'm not going to start watching at 10.15. I'll watch at 9. If it's a hell of a game, I might stick around. Yeah. But you got to be have a vested, vested interest. You're not going to get the casual. No. The casual. No, no chance. And here's, yeah. here's what I will say. And I know this is a, a maligned opinion within the NHL community. And the Oilers just had back-to-back afternoon games. Mm-hmm. As a fan. You don't like those either? No, I love them. Oh, do you? I love afternoon games. I can sit down yesterday from 2 to 5 o'clock, hey. watch the game. I have the whole rest of my evening still to A, watch other games if I so choose. Maybe I take in a film, movie, 
Let me throw this one at you, Duke. That game, okay, I didn't watch it live. I, I started watching it at quarter after four because it was beautiful outside. I'm going, I'm not spending family day at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's beautiful outside. I'm going to sit outside and I'm going to do something outside. You got to get the whatever. Back, backyard TV action going. Well, the yes. patio TV. I get that too. <laughs> Most people don't have those in operation in mid-February though. Uh... Well, let's get to Brad. Brad, why do you disagree? Brad says, so why do you disagree with my text message? Perhaps explain. Well, that I I believe Morgan Riley is a number one defenseman. You know, as I said, I think he's maybe a number one on, well, he's number one on the Leafs, obviously. There's many (laughs) teams. And that's not really close. Yeah, there's many teams where he'd be a number one, but that's just the way the league is. That's, That's the fact that there are... If you are a number one defenseman on your team, are you still the number one? Well, technically not to Brad, but that's you, like if you play the minutes and you're pu- I, having because uh, a number one defenseman for me has to be effective at both ends of the ice. Okay. Probably plays you know in all situations. All, 100%. The only, that's the only, like Darnell Nurse is the only, like he's second unit power play, which that's just because of the fact the Oilers go four, four forwards, which yeah. is the most common now. And you have a guy who's likely going to put up ninety points this mm-hmm. year on the first power play unit. Well, no, no I've loved the way Darnell's played this. No doy, he's on the second power play unit. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't fault a guy for that because there's a more offensively inclined guy ahead of him. Lots of teams have third pairing guys playing top power play units. Mm-hmm. Well, we had another. It was a for for coming off the the long week. Weekend, Duke. I thought that was just fine today. No rust here, baby. Man, but it, I felt like we were off for a week. I don't know what it was. But yesterday, after once again going back to the Oilers playing so early, like normally after the hockey game's over, I'm like, all right, time for bed. But <laughs> I kind of moseyed around. You know what? I watched. I watched. You, you've never seen this Toy yeah. Story. I watched that last night for the first time in probably 20 years. Why? I don't know. Spur of the moment Come decision, on, Duke. Thanks to all our guests today. Alan Mitchell, the lowdown with low tide will be coming up here at noon. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli from Rogers Sportsnet and the Daily Faceoff. We had Nolan Thiessen, CEO of Curling Canada. Scotty's continues in Calgary. Ian Herbers, uh, the Golden Bears hockey head coach, Alberta off to UBC for the Canada West semifinal against the T-Birds this weekend. Dan Rose and some great comments, uh, NHL.com and our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. And Jensen Lewis, man, check him out. Loud outs on Sirius XM, Major League Baseball Radio. The guy knows baseball. Tomorrow, on Wednesday, hey, David Schlemko will be, hopefully he remembers, Schlemmer remembers to come in at 9 o'clock tomorrow. That'll be uh, 9 to 11, David Schlemko. Uh, Oilers in action tomorrow. Coming up top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with the former... Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. At 12 o'clock, as mentioned, it will be the lowdown with Low Tide and Alan Mitchell. 2 o'clock till 6, Jason Greger, the Drive Home Show here on Sports 1440. Greg's takes you home from 2 to 6. Thanks so much to all our listeners today and all our texters had some great comments coming in today. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, bright and early at 7 o'clock. Hope you can join us once again. Top of the hour. Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Have a great day, everybody.